0: Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. Welcome to Broad Street Hockey Presents Ice Sport Radio. That's right, it's our rest of the league show. Fam, we are here, it is President's Day, and we are one week out from the trade deadline, and not a whole lot has happened. My name is Bill Matts, your director of Fun and Games for the Evening. Uh, we're told that deadlines get things done, we saw that with the Nylander contract. I'm very much hoping it happens with this trade deadline, because... Man, we do not have a lot to talk about. Let's open it up to the panel to start the show. Let's lead it off with the fly by yourself,
1: Kelly Henkel. So, Bill, I think you'll find it interesting to learn that um, during my... I actually just finished up doing the checking out the competition for the Lightning game um, with Matt Estevez from SB Nation. And oh, we, excellent. Yeah, we talked a little bit about the fact that your theory of NHL GMs colluding to keep salaries down by not ever using the offer sheet... I brought that up to him, and he agrees that it's probably a thing. So you're a genius. I thought you should. Oh, know.
0: I mean, it's pretty. I think there is going to be a uh, a, a labor induced player stoppage in both baseball and hockey uh, sooner than later. It's not. It's we have a couple of years until the MLB and MLBPA go head to head, but it's going to happen real soon in the NHL. Let's throw it over to the Athletic.com's own Charlie O'Connor.
2: I don't just say this as someone who follows the Flyers regularly. I say this as just an NHL fan all around. The Brandon Manning saga just is really funny. Oh, it, it's it's hilarious. Like, like, it would be oh, funny God. even if he wasn't. You know, he wasn't kind of related to the Flyers with regards to him being on the team for such a long time and then thinking he was better than he actually was. Like if he was just on like the Blues back when he was on the Flyers, it, this would still be really funny because you just have a guy who's the epitome of just a guy. He's a seventh defenseman at best that teams just continue to decide, or GMs, I guess is the best way to say, continue to decide he's better than he is. And now finally, everyone is realizing, yeah, he's actually bad.
0: Oh, wait, I saw, like, I didn't, I didn't even include it in the outline, and we're going to open up with some Oilers stuff, so I guess I should have, but I saw that he was placed on waivers today, or cleared waivers today.
2: He was placed on waivers today. Placed on. Placed
0: on waivers today. Uh, Godspeed, Brandong. I really, I'm really hoping that this reversal of all Chirelli's nonsense continues, and we're going to get to it, because they just traded for Sam Gagne. I'm hoping we get the full crew back together in Edmonton, like, Go get Taylor Hall and Jordan Everly. Bring Yach out of the KHL. Like let's do it. Uh, but we're gonna we're gonna start with the Oilers. And I realize it's a trade that involves the Flyers. Uh, but Talbot for Stolars, The trade is one for one. The Flyers bring in uh, Carter Hart's buddy Cam Talbot. I have called him Max probably ten times <laughs> in the three days since this trade has happened. Um, and you know, Tony Stoley from 3rd Street, he was really starting to grow on me. I wanted to see what would happen. What are your initial in- impressions of this trade? Uh the ESPN.com headline said Flyers acquired declining Cam Talbot. Like what do we think about this trade?
1: I mean, he's obviously declining. He's in his 30s. We all decline in our 30s, am I right, folks?
2: Hey, I would I wouldn't know yet.
1: <laughs> I feel like
0: I'm just getting better and better. I don't I feel like goalies uh, tend to not have the same aging curve until, like, mid-30s. They just seem Yeah, I think to, you're right. They seem to peak later and stay uh, it, close to around their prime longer. But, I don't know, he had those two really good years, and outside of those, he just seems like, I-, I think he'll be a nice tandem goalie. I'm not ready to call this a great trade until, one, they re-sign him, and, two, he looks like a guy who can play 40 games at a high level for you, or at least a above average backup level what do you think charlie
2: i think this is just the perfect example of a fair trade for both sides you have a player that that two teams have that doesn't fit with what they're trying to do in the here and now but probably fits better on the other team like i just i i get the feeling with this trade that We've gotten so used to the the idea that like one team always has to obviously win a trade that we have no idea what to do when like two teams actually make a equally beneficial trade. Anthony Solars could be a good goalie. The idea of pairing Anthony Stolars with Carter Hart for the next two years seemed kind of insane to me. It always did. So, put it give him to a team that he might be a better fit with. Cam Talbot, is he really a good fit for the Oilers? Like If, if they were going to re-sign Cam Talbot, they were never going to be able to say, okay, we're re-signing you to be our backup. Once you're the starter with a team, it's pretty hard to get demoted to that team. Like within that team. But you get moved somewhere else, then it's okay for the guy to kind of reassess where he fits with a club. So trade Talbot to a team where he can be a backup and where he's willing to be a backup because Talbot flat out said I'm totally fine with being a you know a timeshare backup type to Carter Hart I wouldn't have weighed my no trade clause if I wasn't okay with that and wasn't okay with the possibility of resigning for that role so what you end up with are two guys who didn't fit in their current situations and you swap them and now they fit better in their current situations now whether Cam Talbot is cooked or not I'm not like this year really has been his only bad year. So I don't I'm not ready to say that, like, yeah, this bad season proves that he's cooked. Could it prove that he's cooked? Yeah, maybe. I mean, sometimes yeah. guys have a bad year and then they're just done. Like, then they have another bad year and another bad year and they're out of the league. So maybe that's the case here. But this isn't this isn't an example of a guy who had one really good year and is living off of it. Like, he was a great backup in New York, had I believe, if I remember correctly, his first year in Edmonton was fine. His second year in Edmonton was awesome. And then last year, a lot of people look at his save percentage, and they say it was bad, so he had a bad year. Edmonton's defense last year was atrocious. They gave up like yeah. more scoring chances than anyone. So if you account for the quality of chances he faced last year, he was actually okay. This is the first year where he's been actively bad. So really, what you're banking on is that this is just this aberration year, and sometimes goalies just have bad years. Like The position is voodoo. So it, to me, it's a worthwhile gamble for the Flyers and as for Edmonton you know they got value back for a guy who they weren't going to resign and maybe Stolarz is better than than he seems like you know maybe they have so much goddamn money you know locked up in bad players they're kind of forced to go bargain hunting for goalies and Stolarz is a guy with plausible upside so I like the move for both teams
1: It's very weird to me that so many people had so many strong opinions about this trade. Yes. In my mind, this is one of those trades where you just kind of shrug and go, oh, okay, that's fine.
0: Yeah, I had... uh, Initially, when it happened, my thought was... Because you heard all the, like, going into it, oh, the Flyers are going to extract some value here, and I guess if they got the better, technically the better of the two players, because we've seen Cam Talbot be good in this league before and Stoli has, you know, less than 20 games NHL experience or whatever the hell it is, so you have no idea. I never thought the idea of Stolar's and Hart as a tandem was completely crazy like Charlie did. Um, it was unconventional. I thought it had a possibility of working, but as we got into, I guess, on last week's BSH Radio, and I know we're spending time on the Flyers here, but it is, like, one of the more, like, noteworthy trades of, of this trade deadline season, uh, Stoli wasn't staying. He was going to get that UFA status. Cause he just straight up wasn't going to play 16 more games here. Um, and he was leaving and you couldn't possibly guarantee him NHL time next year. That's, uh, I would love to keep him. And if he's in RFA, we have his rights. We do that. And then we figure out the goalie position. And if it ends up being Hart and Stoley, cool. But since he wasn't going to go for that because he's 25, he wants to get an NHL contract. Well, we have to do this. As long as Talbot resigns and as long as Talbot is, someone was like, hey, is he just going to be Elliot 2.0 to me on Twitter or something? I said, If he is Elliot 2.0 and he's just a younger, healthier Elliot and we start him 40 times, awesome. If he has a 9-12 save percentage and starts 41 games, thumbs up. See, That's what it, we're looking for at this point.
1: It cracks me up how much Flyers fans have just erased everything good that Brian Elliott ever did here. Like, they just consider him a garbage goaltender, and it makes me laugh a lot.
0: Elliott and Neuvert have become this, they're, they're one. It yeah, is, which makes no sense. Elliott and Neuvert are one, and either of them is equally bad. And it's like, alright, Elliott was just a guy who couldn't stay healthy, or, or didn't, I don't know. Like, he just so ran him into the ground. Yeah, that's, he was totally fine until Hack played him every game in the month of December 2017. He was completely fine until then. He had his good games and he had his bad games, and that's what a tandem goalie is. Going into a season with him and Neuvert together is fucking stupid because one's 33 and one is made of glass, but, uh, you know, yeah. that's what Ron Hextall decided to do, and he's unemployed if Cam Talbot can just be what we needed, what yep. Elliot should have been, this is fine. As long as he re-signs and isn't a piece of shit, like, this is fine. I have, I wanted a draft pick, but I get why we didn't get one. I Maybe
1: mean, honestly. Maybe we can honestly, flip Elliott
0: for
2: that draft pick.
1: For Christ's sake, like, is your life emptier without a fifth round draft pick in, like, 2020 or something? Like, did we really need it? I had
2: Maybe. I had a commenter on uh, on my article analyzing the trade saying that he would have had a totally different opinion of this trade had the Flyers gotten a seventh round pick. A seventh, and it's a like seventh. you do you do realize how how little how few seventh round picks turn into NHL players, and there's even fewer that turn into good NHL players. Like it all it was was just a way for for people to feel like you know that that Fletcher had extracted his pound of flesh from the Oilers. I feel like part of it and and we need to we need to adjust to the the post Peter Chiarelli world yeah, Pete's gone. is the assumption that if you make a trade with Edmonton you're going to rob them. Like that's just the and, and the idea is because I think a couple people made this point on Twitter that the Oilers writers were acting like they like they destroyed the Flyers in this trade and the joke was that like oilers observers are just not used to like breaking even on a trade but to them breaking even is this gigantic win because they're so used to their team getting absolutely crushed in every move they do that this feels like this steal because it actually isn't them getting crushed that's pretty funny
0: speaking of these oilers i mentioned it at the top they have acquired Sam Gagne who if you remember uh, was part of their you know that that young core when they were winning all those draft lotteries and drafting guys in the top 10 every single year like oh here we go uh, Sam Gagne boom he's going to be a, he's going to be an all-time great and it hasn't really worked out for Sam uh, he had a bit of a career resurrection 2 years ago in Columbus basically playing fourth line minutes and scoring a bunch of power play goals uh, like Charlie said they're, they have so much money locked up in, basically, McDavid and Dreisaitl and a few other guys. Making, not, it, you it, know. To,
2: to, be, to be clear, the money they have locked in McDavid and Dreisaitl, like, yeah, they're paying big money, but they're paying big money for big players. Oh, yeah, that's, that's fair not the problem. money. The problem is the money you have locked Lucic and Chris Russell and the constantly injured Andre Sekera. Like, they have a bunch of money locked up in bad or always injured players. That's their problem.
0: But they have to go, like, they have to go bargain hunting is the idea now because, of yes, they've handed out some big contracts. Many of them are just bad. So they have to look for this, uh, for things like Sam. It's just funny to me that, oh, yes, our, our solution is the guy we had, we couldn't wait to get rid of in Sam Gagne. Like,
1: yeah. You know that what if
0: they like could they possibly pursue Hall and Eberly is <laughs> like what if they got the band back to like the team that they should have <laughs> the team that they drafted what if they got it back together that's the big Eberly is the one who like roasted the media on his way out right Well
1: they turned Eberly back into Sam Gagne like that stupid thing where like someone starts with a paper clip and they trade it all the way up to a house like they started with Sam Gagne and they traded all the way back around to Sam Gagne <laughs>
0: <laughs> you never be- know what could be behind the you never know what could be behind the mystery
1: door it yeah. could even be a boat it could be you <laughs> could have a boat love or, or a family guy clip. Yeah. Love it so, much. so what makes i don't me- even like family guy but i love that yeah it would be awesome though like in a word document when you just hit the undo button over and over and over yeah. again it just deletes everything that you did until you get back to the beginning that they're just going to do that with every single one of shirelli's moves except yeah, now like- except
2: now everyone is six years older and bad
1: yeah right
0: (laughs) (laughs) like i just this is so uh, i mean it's ryan spooner who also sucks so it doesn't really matter i guess if you put gagne like on a power play with dry Seidel and mcdavid he could potentially score some goals but i it's just hilarious it's so oilers but it is like uh, like when we brought back jvr i was like all right this is kind of undoing a wrong that should have never been done, so I'm okay with it. Like it was so flyer to go. Oh yeah, that guy we had. We like oh, we should have never given up on JVR. So let's just undo that. Uh, but I, it's a it's a nothing move. It's Gagne for Spooner. Like he's gonna play bottom six minutes for them and maybe contribute on the power play. But since it's the Oilers, it's hilarious.
1: Yeah, and it's it's. It's extra funny because it is just Spooner for Gagne, but that whole trade tree goes back to Eberly. So they yeah. started with Jordan Eberly and they ended up with Sam Gagne, which <laughs> is, like, I don't know how you could possibly degrade yourself any more dramatically in one trade tree.
0: It's just, it's the Oilers. Uh, let's move on to another team that was referenced earlier on. The St. Louis Blues, the uh, a team in the first half of the season, very much like the Flyers, came in with high expectations, did some spending, made some uh, what were perceived as upgrades in the offseason, and then came out and looked like uh, flaming garbage. All of a sudden, 10 straight wins, 3 consecutive shutouts, up to 3rd in the Central, 6 points behind Nashville for 2nd, with 3 games in hand. How 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 is St. Louis
1: doing this shit? One word, Greg. <laughs> so the, Jack Adams pal, winner, Greg Berube. Our pal Craig Berube is.
0: Oh man, there was uh, I was straight up wearing an L. A. Kings hat walking around and saying <laughs> I'm not a Flyers fan until Craig Berube is fired. I feel like, like I
1: should. Explain just so no one thinks I'm a giant idiot. Calling him Greg Berube is a joke. I know that his name is Craig. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Like, like uh, Sean, uh, like Kurt Couturier. Yeah, right. (laughs) I was thinking about, there is, the team we cover mirrors us so much if they really do just call Couturier Kurt and it's a, it's, it's hilarious to them. Like they really are Flyers Twitter as much as they hate us.
1: Oh God, for sure. That whole locker room. But is back cool to of the idiots. blues. Yeah.
2: Charlie, what is going on over in St. Louis? So, there's a couple things I think that are going on here. Number one, and this really shouldn't be underestimated, is the West is not that good. Yeah, it's really bad. So, like, yeah, that's basically, being basically what you have in the West is you have five teams that are good, that are undeniably good in Winnipeg, Nashville, Calgary, San Jose, and Vegas. And then everyone else is garbage. So because of that a team like St. Louis that basically punted the first 2 months of the season they have an easier road to getting back into things. Number 1 because it's just easier to pass teams that are that are playing poorly. Number 2, you're playing those teams more often so you're getting more games against teams that aren't that good. So that's number 1. Like for like if the Flyers were in were in the West the Flyers only have four fewer points than the, than the Blues. Like, the Flyers would probably be in, you know, right now we're still viewing them as, yeah, they probably aren't going to make the playoffs. If they were in the West, I would be very confident they're making the Oh, for
1: sure. Because yeah. Because
2: everybody else, I'm just like, well, I don't – they suck, and the Flyers are at least playing well now, and they have Carter Hart, so yeah, they're going to sneak in, whatever. They're not going to do anything, but they're going to sneak in. Yeah. So that's number one. Number two is that, honestly, the Blues are just playing really well. Like, this was – from a from a construction standpoint, this did look like a good, a really good team on paper. They had some defense issues, and there was a big concern about Jake Allen. But their forward core looked awesome. They added a bunch of pieces, like Ryan O'Reilly from the start of the year has been very good. He was he actually ended up on my ballot for for the Selkie because I think he's had an amazing year from the Ooh. from the start. It's just that uh, it's just that everybody else sucked. So no one really noticed. Well, now everybody's playing better. Tarasenko's scoring goals. And the big thing is that uh, the goalie, the, the goalie they dug up, what's it, Binnington? Is Binnington Jordan yeah. Binnington. Yeah. Jordan like, Binnington. Me, I 100% believe this is a fluke and that he's not actually this good. But you know what? <laughs> goalies are voodoo weird shit happens and sometimes all you need is some goalie to play over his head for a couple months and deliver ridiculous numbers even if it's not real sometimes that's all you need to uh to, to get back into a playoff race especially when you're a team like the blues that has a good all-around team with the exception of the fact that jake allen was garbage like this is all they need they just need a one lucky break with a goalie and they've gotten it in addition to the fact that the roster top to bottom pretty darn good
0: Now, that's uh, two points I want to go because Charlie just made a lot of good ones. Uh, First, the West is really bad. And even those five teams you mentioned, I very much believe Nashville's just kind of doing the... We've had high expectations for years now. We went to a Stanley Cup final. Last year, we were perceived as one of the two best teams in the league. And just, you know, lost in seven games to the other really good team in the second round because... That's the way this, these playoffs work now. Uh, and they're just kind of not playing up to their potential. They've had a bunch of injuries. I expect them to be the team we thought they were once the playoffs start. They just haven't been that yet. And two, Jordan Bennington, while it could very well just be a fluke, I want to know where the Calder Trophy love is for this 25-year-old rookie In uh, 14 starts, 16 appearances, he's 12-1-1 with a 9.37 save percentage, a 1.58 goals against, and four shutouts. His first career start was a shutout. Surprise, surprise, surprise against the Flyers. And three of his last five starts have been shutouts. Uh, In 16 appearances, he's given up more than two, only twice. Um, I know... Carter Hart is only 20, and he's our guy, and I think the narrative and story is just better, but Hart's 13-6-1 with a 9-2-4 and a 2-5-3. Where's the love for Jordan Bennington? I obviously am a homer and love Carter Hart, but he's kind of doing the exact same thing that Hart's doing.
1: Yeah, so here's the thing, though. He's doing it with a better team in front of him. Um, I think I think it was Adam Kimmelman today. Tweeted out a thing about the fact that no goalie has faced thirty-five or more shots more than Carter Hart has in the last, I think it was twenty games. Oh yeah, I mean Hart. I mean to he's getting
0: back-to-back
1: thirty-eight shots against Gates. Yeah, he's getting peppered with shots because the team in front of him is not nearly as good, I would say, as the Blues are, um, and they're not playing particularly well. So Binnington might have better numbers, but I need him to step back a little bit because it's not happening.
2: I, I think what it boils down to, and I actually, Bill, I'm with you. And as much as I'd love to see Carter Hart How win, dare the, you? win the uh, win the Calder, yeah, Bennington probably has the better case at the moment. Uh, but I think that the reason why Hart is getting more hype, uh, just aside from the fact that Philly has simply put a, a bigger and more you know impactful market in the hockey and world. And it is than, hell than for Louis. bullies. But I think part of it is that, there's, an, there's a belief, a justified belief, that, this is, that Carter Hart is for real because Carter Hart was great in juniors. Carter Hart has been a guy that everyone has known for years as one of the top goalie prospects in hockey. So when he goes out there in his rookie year, by the way, five years younger than Jordan Bennington, yeah. and is killing it, everybody's like, oh, man, he might be the next great goalie. When Jordan Bennington kills it, everybody's like, he's 25 years old, yeah, this is cool, but he's probably nowhere near this good. So it's just a matter of people trusting that this is for real with heart, whereas with Bennington, it's just like, this is is like the Hamburglar. It's like another one of these fun stories that everyone knows next year Jordan Bennington is going to be a 905 save percentage guy, but like, hey, let's have fun with this while it goes. At the same time, He's still doing it. So if you're talking about who should be in contention for the Calder, you can't just erase what someone's doing because you don't think it's for real. They it, it, it is by nature for real. He has done yeah. it. So you can't it erase you can't erase happen. that and say it didn't happen. It happened. He's been great. I think just the thing with Hart is that people watch Carter Hart and they're like, this guy might be the future of NHL goaltending. Whereas Jordan Bennington is just this is a fun story.
0: Yeah, no, it's, that's very much how I, I look at it, too. And when you look at the history of the Blues, there are plenty of opportunities. Oh, yeah, remember that playoff series Jake Allen had? And look at what this guy is. Like, he could very well just be on one of those runs. Like, Michael Layton. Michael, if the Flyers win this the Stanley Cup, Michael Layton very well takes home a Conn Smythe trophy. And, like... <laughs> <laughs> I, I I know, I know. I have, like, a personal... This is another guy. I have a personal, like, vendetta
2: against, but... I mean, it probably would have been Brier, right? Briere was unreal in that period.
0: Sure, case. I'm ju- If nothing else, if if things continue to go the way they went in that Montreal series, yeah, yeah. how do you not give it to... Fr- like, the way... The way Leighton played in the final obviously, like, takes him out of contention for right. it. We're talking <laughs> about something totally different now, but I'm just saying we've seen goalies have these runs and the idea that, yeah, I mean, Carter Hart's supposed to be great, so obviously this is real, but I'm just saying the thing's happening and Carter Hart's the big story, and yeah, I guess this is kind of like if Mike, if um, if Stoley was having the kind of year that Hart was having, it would be the same idea, right? It's like, oh, here's this guy having a great year, and it's cool for a team that desperately needed goaltending because that was obviously what was holding them back.
1: Good thing they didn't push the panic button on Tarasenko, too, right? That's the thing I was going to say.
0: I'm
1: kind of bummed that he's scoring again because that means they'll (laughs) definitely not trade him.
0: I know. I was like, I was Charlie. I know. I know this. Uh, you like Tarasenko though too. But I was like, yo, could we get Tarasenko for Voracek? Is this something we could pull off here?
2: I mean, I what? would have done it in a second, but no. Yeah. I mean, I just never thought it was possible. <laughs> uh,
0: when when those when the big attitude. name guys when big name guys are struggling, you never know what kind of nonsense could uh could potentially. What not I just kick over? I don't know. Uh, anyway, one more thing here on the Blues. Yo, Brayden Shen only has 11 goals.
2: Hmm. Well, I got a kick out of... I was watching... I mean, I don't, I don't watch the Blues very often. Uh, at least during the regular season just because I don't have the time. But I was watching highlights... And someone, one of the people on NBC, it was like the lead up to the, the Flyers uh, Red Wings game on Sunday, uh, was saying, you know, wow, this top line of, uh, of Tarasenko, O'Reilly, and Braden Shen on the wing has been great. And I laughed out loud. I'm like, he's back on the wing. This is awesome. I'm His sure Braden health. fucking loves that. Seriously. Because there a was Ruby, nothing baby. he hated more than the idea that he was a winger. He couldn't stand it. And now, guess where he is? Back on the wing where he belongs, baby. Baruby, I'm telling you, Jack Adams.
1: <laughs> he legitimately could, which is hilarious. Well, no, it's going to be Trotz. I mean, it's yeah. it's got to be Trotz. It's got to be.
0: I think it should be DeBoer, but it's just because I hate you know Trotz. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's going to be Barry Trotz unless they lose he's a out wizard. for the rest. Unless they lose out from here, which doesn't appear to be a thing. They just keep on winning goddamn games. Uh, the Islanders are gonna win the Stanley Cup this year. You <laughs> oh, shut man. your poor mouth.
2: Are, 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 are they? Are they the, new, uh, the new fucking Golden Knights?
0: Yeah, they're gonna. Except, like, yeah, I mean, they they kind of have that. Uh, they kind of have that feel, right? Where no. You know, no one likes us, we don't care. No, the Golden I Knights just, were likable. No, I just mean in their locker room. Like in their locker room, they have to have that. Oh, Tavares left, and everyone said oh, we were gonna God. suck. Like Islanders fans and I get it cuz I would be the exact same way are insufferable well, right now on the old Twitter machine. Yeah. I mean good for them enjoy it I mean, throw it in everyone's I, are face. Are they?
2: I guess I'll take your word for it but in all honesty I follow I, don't even zero. Know any. I follow zero of them and I'm I'm unconvinced that Islanders fans aren't just a myth that they don't I, I don't know if they actually exist.
1: I follow I've one.
0: Always appreciated, I've always appreciated the Islanders because they just seem like a neighborhood team to me. Like, they seem like the Green Bay Packers. Like, only the people on Long, Long Island cheer for them. It's, it's like yeah. they go the end of their block, and when they play, no one's <laughs> home, at least when they play in the Coliseum. <laughs> hey, that's a thing. They're going to play the first round of the playoffs in the Coliseum. That's fun. Yeah, They're going to play every other round at the Barclays, and. You know, the white SUV is gonna take home the Con Smythe, I guess, if they win. But <laughs> the first round is gonna be at the Coliseum. So, as I said at the top, trade deadline is a week away. Nothing's really happened yet. Does anyone have any predictions for the big names, the teams involved? Like, as we get closer and closer, it sounds like Panarin might actually be traded, which I don't, I don't get. I, I, I don't know. I guess you can I mean, get a you lot have for to. him.
1: But how do you how do you give up? How do you because just give he's up? not going to stay there, so why not get something for him? Because they've never
0: won a playoff series. I guess. But they like
1: might, letting him walk seems I don't know.
2: They might be able to like,
1: they might be able to
2: sneak into the playoffs even if they trade him. I don't huh? know. Like maybe I mean they're maybe not, but may I don't know. It's a weird situation. I I still think they're going to keep him, but.
1: I can't god letting him walk for nothing considering what you could get for him in a trade seems wild to me.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Ke- Kelly though, you've always been like very much of the position that you have it to assets. you have you have to trade people. You have to trade. Them. I
1: mean, you don't have to, however, I think that you have to be super pragmatic about it and if you're the people running the Columbus Blue Jackets and you're objectively looking at your team and the rest of the Eastern Conference, are you really convincing yourself that this is the year that you're going to take a run at the Stanley Cup? Like, I don't think so. Probably I mean, not. Outside of Tampa, who's really that good?
0: Like, are you well, afraid of the Islanders? No. The Penguins are, have the same points total as Montreal. Like, I know, but those... They always I think turn this it on is the, the year for a fluke winner. Like we don't I don't think one of the top teams as like look at what's going on out west even I I, I mean think I this know this is the
1: year. Any team can win any series. That's the yeah. best the best and worst part about the hockey playoffs, but Yeah. I mean, this isn't like a Wayne Simmons situation where the choice is, you know, a B prospect and a second round pick or you keep him and let him walk for nothing. Like you're going to get some shit for Artemi Panarin. Like you're going to get some stuff and I get it. Turning that down for a chance at maybe possibly sort of winning around for once in your life, like I don't know. that just seems silly to me.
0: I just don't know like man, if I'm a fan, I I know you want something for him. It's just like, can't we can't we just have nice things? And I get it. it's Columbus. <laughs> so no. like well. Jeff Carter would rather go on a bender than play for you. I understand the mentality there, but just.
2: I I always appreciate a team saying we're going for it. We think we can do it. I almost wonder like, this has always been my. I guess the hard part about this particular outcome is that you could only do this with a team that thinks they can re sign. Um, you know, things they can recite Panarin, but I always wondered if maybe the way out of this for Columbus is to try to trade Panarin for another very good player that's not as good as Panarin that has a few years left on his deal that maybe is like a little overpaid. Like I mean, we're not that not that this would happen, but like like a Jake Voracek type, like basically like you, you know you you trade Panarin for not picks and assets but you trade him for a guy who basically is good and is stuck under contract for a few more years so you don't take this big dip in terms of quality and you don't have to work because like let's be realistic here columbus isn't exactly a destination city for free agents you're seeing it with panera it's hard for them to convince people to come to columbus you saw it with jeff carter he wanted out of there so the easiest way for them to get players is to trade for them and i almost wonder if there's somebody out there some forward or something that they could you know you can sell that team like hey you're not too thrilled with this guy anyway you kind of want to change the scenery trade and get from it out from under this contract we want to stay good and maybe you can convince maybe that team thinks that they can convince Panarin to stay with them like that's the type of trade that I I wonder that's the type of trade if I'm Columbus I'm looking to make I just don't know if that type of trade is is out there at the moment
1: I like your idea of Voracek so we trade Voracek for Panarin and then Bill and Ava take Artemi out in Old City and show him that Philly is, like, a really fun place to live, and then he signs with us.
0: (laughs) That would be fun. It it would work. I would would definitely party with with Artemi Panarin. That would be a great guy. (laughs) Um, Why are Stone and Duchesne considering Ottawa? Are they actually?
2: I think think that's ending. Yeah, I was going to say. Duchesne, apparently the reports last night were that Duchesne – is officially on the trade block and he okay. was the he was the guy they were coming at first they wanted to try to convince duchane and if he's on the trade block that means that duchane probably told them sorry guys i'm not re because like now now I... that now they're turning to stone and they're trying to convince him but i think they always thought duchane had the they they thought their pitch had a better chance of convincing duchane and if duchane told them though no, i'd be shocked to see stone tell them yes
0: that's because uh, like Matt Duchesne, I don't have the uh, I don't have the disdain for Duchesne like say Steph does but does <laughs> anyone he, know <laughs> if he forced his way out of Colorado saying you only get so many shots at this thing and I don't want to miss the playoffs every year and then resigned in the most dysfunctional organization in the league who is gonna suck for for the foreseeable future, I'd be like, all right guy, well maybe you just don't want to win as bad as you say you did. But Stone, like, he has, the, he is the exact type of guy who could go, even as good as he is, go out and get thoroughly overpaid on the open market. Like, Duchesne comes with the baggage of he's forced his way out of Colorado, he's been a problem, some sort of a problem everywhere, he's never really been on a very good team, blah, blah, blah. Stone is the guy who can go out and even, for as good as he is, get overpaid. Not to mention, why would anyone want to play for this team? Melnick is going to be the owner forever. That means
1: you're going to suck. Well, I don't know, Bill. He did say that he's going to start spending money sort of maybe in 2021. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure.
2: <laughs> I don't
1: know so, I don't know why. So, did you guys um, see over the weekend when all of the Canadian teams were playing each other, um, and the Jets, I think, were playing Ottawa. There were a lot of, like, tweets that I saw from Jets fans. Essentially, it was um, Jets fans complaining that the national, like, TSN nets were showing the Leafs game that night um, when, like, all of Canada was playing hockey because that's what happens in Canada. They show the Leafs. People complain about it. But they were saying that, like, a lot of the complaints were like, you're missing this opportunity to show this game between two teams that are getting ready to make a blockbuster trade. Like it, it, A lot of people were talking like Stone to Winnipeg was like a thing that was imminently happening, and I had no idea where that came from.
2: Well, that has been rumored, there, there okay. ha- and I believe Stone is from the Winnipeg area. So, there's a feeling that, like, if Winnipeg were to trade for Stone, that maybe he would stay, although I have absolutely no freaking clue how they would fit him, because as good of a player as Stone is, like, Winnipeg is jammed up against the cap ceiling, and they'd probably have to get rid of some guys to fit him. Um, But, yeah, that has been rumored, you know, that that Winnipeg – Winnipeg is – I mean, we've talked about it on the show, that they – they're in tougher straights from a cap situation than most people realize. And this is their window. And Stone is the kind of guy who can put you over the top because he's really good. So, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if I'd want to watch that game because it includes Ottawa. I don't really think I want to watch Ottawa <laughs> no. play hockey ever. But at the same time, yeah, that's possible. If if they do move Stone, Winnipeg, I'm sure, is going to be in the uh, in the mix for them.
1: That would be interesting.
0: I mean, it's a um, good—I can see that being a good destination for him. I don't think—I don't—yeah, like, I don't know how they could keep him, But, yeah, a good team gets better. That's exactly, if I'm Winnipeg, what I'm trying to do. Because, like Charlie said, Windows now. Like, how much longer is Dustin Bufflin going to be Dustin Bufflin? How much longer are you going to be able to—like, is this cap situation going to be tenable? And all their—you know, they're really good right now, and they might be the best team in the West. So, uh, this— Don Cherry calls the Hurricanes a bunch of jerks. Um, my question is, just from a just from a, an entertainment standpoint, from booking a TV show, how I get what Don Cherry and of course Brian Burke, who's who's on Hockey Night in Canada with him now for some reason. We need two of this guy. Um, <laughs> just from a pure like, is this not the most predictable opinion in the world? Like of course Don Cherry is gonna make fun of this. It would only be a headline if he if he liked it. We could just assume that these two people thought the Hurricanes and their post game celebrations are are are, are uh, it's just stupid. But I like yeah. that the Hurricanes have gone the route of uh, when the when Mike Wise, the uh, the Washington Post columnist, wrote the article about Flyers and Flyers fans and how we're a bunch of bloodthirsty maniacs. Uh, and he called us megadeth. The women and children look like they could be working megadeth security. And then of course the Flyers. <laughs> put out the orange shirts that say Megadeth Security. The Hurricanes are putting out a shirt similar to that that says Bunch of Jerks, and I really appreciate that. We've spent more time than necessary talking about the Hurricanes on this show this year, but I just appreciate that. As much as I think this storyline is so much like, oh, yes, the two hockey men uh, who have a platform hate it, so we're constantly looking for the haters who hate this thing, and the people who are like, oh, if you don't like it, you're an old man yelling at the clouds. Like... are just as annoying to me as, as the people who actually do hate it because there's way more of those people than there are the people who hate it. But I like this one thing about it, that the hurricanes have gone.
1: Yeah. We're putting out a shirt. Yeah. I I like when a team embraces this kind of stuff and runs with it because it is in fact fun. And that's what we're supposed to be doing here. Having fun. It's really remarkable to me that like anybody outside of North Carolina cares enough about this happening to have an opinion on it. like, who cares? Like exactly. us we are literally never going to see it unless we take no. a road trip to Raleigh, which I don't think we plan to do. So like I don't see that I don't who cares? And my really? favorite part about the Don Cherry thing was like, could you imagine making someone like Justin Williams do this kind of ridiculous shit? It's Justin Williams idea and he, <laughs> and he loves it and probably. he loves it. Yeah.
2: I am the the extent to which you and Steph were sick of of duchene that Uh-oh. is how much I am sick of this story. <laughs> like, like I am I am so close to just muting hurricanes on my Twitter feed because it's the most overplayed thing. Like, why are we talking about this? It's a dumb thing they do for their fans. Like I don't like whatever. I, I I'm I'm not even I'm not even of the opinion that it's like this, oh, it's so great for the game. Like it's a stupid little thing they do. Who gives a shit? Like, why are we, why yeah. is this, why is this on my Twitter feed every other day? It's because the, the It's yeah. the most overblown story in history
1: because there's no reason to get angry about it. The two sides are, keep feeding each other. Like, as soon as somebody, remo- like, noteworthy, and I guess Don Cherry is still noteworthy, says that they hate it and it's stupid, people feel the need to let everyone on Earth know that it is not, in fact, stupid. It is fun. And then the hockey purists have to say something and then like somebody like Myrtle or Sean McIndoe make like a little bit of a tweet about it and then it starts all over again it's just like everyone needs to stop talking about it once everyone stops talking about it we'll never hear about it again
0: that's I just love I just love that Don Cherry said they better not do this in the playoffs and now I'm dying for them to make the dying for just it to <laughs> see if maybe his head actually explodes <laughs> like will he combust on television? That's yes, fun to watch. That would be good TV. I would be interested in Don Cherry if he exploded naturally on television. Uh, did anyone I'd see the Barkov goal last night? You both have Twitter feeds, so I assume you did. It was, it was good. so good. Wow. Or two good. nights ago. When was it? I think it was last night. Last night. Yeah. Oh,
1: Does my Lord. Did beat Giroux for goal of the year? I think it was better. Yeah? I think – I mean, the way that he – first of all, at full speed – yeah, with a guy right on him, somehow gets it between the legs and oh, like I don't even know how he did what he did. It was insane. Charlie,
2: uh, yeah, it was probably the best goal of the year. It it was pretty ridiculous. All right, I, yeah, like you know, it, it's funny. I actually uh, like I really do like Barkov um, as a player. Obviously, he's awesome, but I have this sort of weird. Anger towards him because I feel like it annoys me that just as Sean Couturier becomes awesome, that now, like, there's now Sean Couturier is objectively speaking an absolutely awesome player, and just as he becomes awesome, we get a version of Sean Couturier who can skate fast. (laughs) <laughs> and now he's and now he's going to have to compete against him for the Selkie every fucking year, and it just it annoys me. It's like, god damn it, Katuri finally got to the point where he should be a yearly Selkie candidate, and now he has to face a version of himself that's twice as fast as him. God damn you, Barkov!
0: That that the goal was amazing, and maybe it is better in Girouds. Maybe I'm just a homer, but at one point in that Giroud goal, it's one versus four. Like, he is facing four defenders. Now, the C's part, and it's terrible defense. But at one point, he gets inside the blue line, and he's looking directly at four of the five guys, plus a goalie. And he makes the move, and then, of course, has the sense to lift, uh, I think it was Girardi's stick. Like, it's it's just a hell of a play. Both of them are awesome. I give it to Giroux still, just because of the numbers against him. Like, Barkov, yes, there's a guy right on him, but he had a breakaway. Uh, he's, he's behind everyone. Uh, so I give it to Jerus still, but it was awesome. Uh, real quick, excited excited for the stadium series, are you? No. I mean, it's the Flyers' last game before the deadline. There's yeah. Malkin drama. It's the interstate series. It's the Keystone State Showdown. And the Flyers are six points behind Pittsburgh and Montreal for those wildcard spots. So it, it's like an actually meaningful game.
2: Yeah, still, I know. I mean, it's fine, and I'm sure it'll be a neat environment for the fans. And truthfully, that's what matters the most: is that the the fans that are going to the game find it neat, and the fans watching it on TV find it neat. That's what that's what we should be doing in, in hockey. Um, object, you know. Personally, for me, I'm the the main reason. and This is going to sound extremely, extremely like self centered and journalist ish. The reason why I'm not looking forward to it is because it's really freaking hard to to distinguish between players from the press box, and it's going to be a bitch and a half to write a 10 things column on the game when you don't even know who's doing the stuff.
1: I don't know, Charlie, with those blaringly, Loud jerseys, you might be able to see numbers from all the way up there. You think? <laughs> Maybe.
0: I love them. I love those jerseys so much. I know so, you so, do. Bill,
2: I want to. Uh, I want to ask this question because this is something I was re-listening to uh, to our show um, last week, and you dropped something, and I just, I want to, I, I want to hear this. You're like, I'm not gonna pay for tickets, but I'm trying to go anyway. <laughs> How the hell are you gonna get in this game without paying for tickets? Don't implicate Charlie.
1: yourself, William.
0: Charlie, I'm like a salamander, all right? I don't know.
2: <laughs> I don't even know what that means.
0: Uh, yeah, I... I Listen, I don't have, like, a good career or anything at this point, but I am... I have a lot of connections. I, I figure <laughs> out ways to get in places. It's what I do. I weasel my way into stuff. And uh, I'm, I'm just... I'm looking forward to uh, meeting this challenge. So far, I am... So far, I don't have a way in. <laughs> still, still, still working on a few things, but uh, I you'll absolutely
1: me... believe that you will be at that game.
0: You'll see me in there in my orange tux. Mm-hmm. No one will miss me. I, I. The have people no like doubt. their pictures with the mascot. Now we actually have a mascot, so it's a little different. Uh, but uh, people like people like to get pictures with the guy in the orange tux,
1: and I would hate to deny him that opportunity. Yeah, you can't. Let the people down. I can't let the people down. You can't. You have a duty. Uh,
0: duty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't even think I wrote this, but
1: Tampa Bay. Who can beat them? I wrote that.
0: Okay, Kelly. Because I what spent I just spent forty them?
1: minutes talking about the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, I I honestly knew that they would be good, um, but they seem kind of ridiculous at this point. Like they have a twenty point lead over the. Boston Bruins in the conference. like It's absurd how many points they have. Um, and also now there are Wayne Simmons to Tampa rumors, which I think is pretty interesting. And I would actually love that because my ideal outcome is for Wayne to go to a team that might win a cup this year. So that would be super cool.
2: Um, I mean, I, I do believe that Tampa is obviously the favorite. They're the best team on paper by a significant amount. But if you're talking about you know who can beat them, I think Toronto can Toronto beat. I think now, is the yeah. yeah. Now whether they will I, I would still if they play each other in the in in the divisionals, you know, divisional round, the second round, I would still look at Tampa as the favorite. But I do believe Toronto in theory can beat them. They have the pieces that in a seven-game series if some some things break their way, they could beat them. Yeah. And then as for the uh, the West, I mean, there's a couple teams I think could beat them. I think San Jose could beat them. Uh, Nashville, if they're firing on all cylinders, I think could theoretically beat them. Uh, yeah, I, Tampa's got to be the favorite, but I don't think they're unbeatable. I, I, I really don't think they're unbeatable. I think there are a couple other very good teams in the league that are that, that could knock them off. So, we'll see.
0: That's... I- That's where I'm at. I mean, obviously, this is the NHL. It's not like there's a Golden State Warriors who are just getting in every year. There's no LeBron or anything. Like, it's just a different game. There's a lot of randomness involved. But Tampa Bay, looking at the whole rest of the league, there's no one who's played up to their potential all year except Tampa. That's I'm looking at Nashville, and I'm like, I mean, I think they're really good. I've seen them be really good in the past, but... Not right now. Toronto, I think, has the roster that matches them best. Mm -hmm. Um, Just in terms of player for player, they could match them with talent on any given night, maybe. Um, But looking around, I just see they're truly the only great team. Now, San Jose, I think, is close, but... Really didn't get going, so we're just now kind of starting to see San Jose at their full potential. Eric Carlson just came back for them, missed, I think, 10 games. So they could just get going and maybe be that team. Hey, that's my Stanley Cup pick, San Jose and and, uh, and Tampa, so I'm all for it. But I'm looking around the league. If not now for Tampa, yeah. I don't know when. It's got to uh, be now. When, when, this is their shot. Uh,
2: this is their best shot. I, I, I will I hesitate to say this is I, their I don't only think they're gonna sh- fall apart yeah but like, I mean and the team I point to is the capitals I mean we thought there were so many years where we're like this is the last chance because they're gonna lose x player and they're gonna have cap issues and then the one year we thought that they weren't gonna have any chance they go out and win the whole damn thing so I'm certainly not gonna say it's over but yeah this this is their best chance because I can't imagine it's very difficult for me to imagine them in the next five years building a team better than this one. Like this is their peak yeah. team before they have to start making some very tough decisions with regards to players that are good that they have to let go. So yeah, this is their best chance, but I'm certainly not going to say it's their only chance. If they're still going to have they still going to have Stamkos, Kucherov, Braden Point, Victor Hedman, Andre Vasilevsky. Like just having those five guys straight up, I I don't care if you have to trade an you know an Alex Kalorn or a Tyler Johnson. You know you know you're going to lose an Anton Strahlman. Like yeah, they're they're going to hurt they're going to hurt because they're good players. But as long as you have that core of great players, you're going to be a cup contender every year for the next five, six years.
0: I agree with all your points, except for Braden point, Charlie, he will be a
2: Philadelphia flyer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we shall see.
0: I think that's it guys. I think, Oh, we, wait, uh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, go before ahead, go we ahead. wrap it up,
1: I just want to remind everyone that if you would like to donate Five or ten small, measly American dollars to the Ed Snyder Youth Hockey Foundation. Head on over to our Patreon. This Friday is the alumni game at the Class of 23 rink. So we're going to be there doing some goofy stuff. Everybody will be there. Um, So if you can contribute, head on over there and give a donation. All of the funds go directly to Snyder Hockey.
0: How many loonies
1: and toonies is that? Uh, Several thousand, I think. Okay. Yeah. (laughs)
0: And that is all the time we have for you on Ice Sport Radio this week. Thank you so much for listening. Please, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast feed. It's really easy. Search Broad Street Hockey wherever there are podcasts, and you will find us. Hit that subscribe button, and all this content will be delivered straight to you. You don't even have to look for it. You don't even have to visit broadstreethockey.com, although I think you should anyway. And also, if you're going to be drinking some of those beers... For that outdoor game on the 23rd, the stadium series, drink some Sly Fox Glove Dropper. That's it. Have a great week, everybody.